Hello everyone, welcome back. My name is Staman Kiritan. I am Senior Journalist for XR Today and we are bringing you today the latest and greatest in the VR, MR, AR and XR industries. Today we have on a very, very special guest today, uh, David Smith, David A. Smith, CTO of Croquet Corporation. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. All right. Yeah, we have a lot to chat about today and we're going to talk about Croquet OS, which is right. a new solution that's that's being developed for building the metaverse. But before we get into that, I'd like to ask you, you know, just could you give us some information about your background and your history in the tech industry? Because it seems to be quite illustrious and I want to, you know, have our audiences learn a bit more about that. Yeah, well, I've been doing uh, what we call the metaverse uh, for something like 35 years. I, I built my first head mount display uh, around 1985 and was actually using it for um, uh, uh, telepresence where we actually we had a robotic arm. We used a data glove, if you remember those. We could control the arm and, and manipulate things, pick things up with this uh, pneumoelastic hand. And we had a head mount, you could actually do eye-hand coordination, and it was pretty neat. But the probably more important was I wrote the first real-time 3D adventure shooter uh, uh, around 1987 called The Colony. In fact, there was a first-person shooter documentary coming out this year, and I'm featured in that, which is pretty exciting to me, and more exciting to my wife and kids, I think. But... Uh, uh, it, so so I, we did that, and then um, I got a chance to work with Jim Cameron. He, he got a pirated version of the game, and he was working on a movie, The Abyss, at the time, and he wanted to be able to visualize the set before it got built. So uh, they came to me. I used the game technology to give him uh, a way of walking around inside the set in, in real time. And he figured out whole sections of the set didn't need to be built. That saved him a couple million dollars. I'm still waiting to get paid, by the way. And then uh, after that, um, uh, Tom Clancy, the author, got in touch with me. Uh, he, was, he, was, uh, he became a real fan of the game, and he said, hey, let's do something together. And so we formed a game company called Red Storm Entertainment. He introduced me to the FBI hostage rescue team. Uh, they took me on one of their training missions, actually a number of them, and it blew me away. I mean, basically, these helicopters flying over this cinder block town, uh, these black clad ninjas come down with ropes and then they start blowing stuff up. And it was like, uh, it was amazing. It was bigger than any movie I'd ever seen. I said, Tom, we got to do a game off of these guys. And he said, if you do a game, I'll do a book. And so that's where Rainbow Six came from. So created Rainbow Six and Red Storm Entertainment, of course. Uh, that probably more interesting than that was uh, Alan Kay. Uh, who some of you may know of. Alan is uh, known as the father of the personal computer, or he invented object-oriented programming. Uh, but he and I started collaborating on what's next in computing. And there were two big concepts that we knew were going to be part of that. One is what we all see today, which is uh, interactive 3D. Uh, it was pretty clear that the next interface is beyond uh, the windowing system we take for granted, which, by the way, he and his team were created at Xerox Park. Uh, but the new, new, new way of working was going to be interactive 3D and fully collaborative all the way down. Uh, so we started uh, the original Croquet project together. We brought in uh, uh, David Reed. David uh, was the architect of UDP, which you probably, if you play games, you certainly know that. He was uh, co-architect of TCP IP. 
His thesis at MIT was this idea of replicated computation. How do you get two computers to act in exactly the same way? And so we uh, decided that's the right way to do collaboration in a, in a 3D environment. So we built the very first version of that system uh, back then working with HP Labs. Alan was a senior fellow at HP Labs at the time. And then, uh, so we got that working. That was in Smalltalk, so not a big uh, developer community, but it was important to be able to demonstrate it actually works. Then later on, I wound up at Lockheed Martin for five years where I was a, a senior fellow. I led their AR, VR efforts on the training side, and we built a version of the system for the Defense Department on the web browser. And that was, that was a win, but it was still kind of premature early. Uh, WebGL had just come out. Uh, but after I left Lockheed, Alan said, we've got to do the real thing. And I said, well, I want, it needs to be an operating system. And he says, well, you know, it takes five years to build an operating system. That was five years ago. <laughs> so <laughs> the Croquet OS uh, was built on those ideas. I happened to get lucky. I inherited his team. They were all part of Y Combinator Research. They were a peer group to OpenAI. And when, <clears throat> when OpenAI left, uh, that team joined me uh, to start Croquet. Nice, nice. And any fan of um, first-person shooters? I know I've been playing those since maybe back in '95. So I'm showing my age. <laughs> yeah, you know, back in the days of Doom and its software, and then of course you had um, Halo coming after that. That became another big one. Yeah, I love that. Halo is yeah. beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Have you seen uh, Halo Infinite, by the way? Not yet. I, I, I'm afraid of it because you know what happens. <laughs> is, yeah, you, you get engrossed, and I, I, I'm too busy right now. I'm hoping I have a little bit of free time after Augmented World Expo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yeah, you'll be blown away by it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, so, oh, sure. yeah, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the uh, conversation. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about Croquet OS. So this is an amazing new solution that your company has created. And um, I wanted to ask you, like, how does it plan to completely change how developers and content creators build the metaverse? Well, I think we have to, I'll tell you my view of what the metaverse is, and that establishes the context of why we're doing it the way we do it. So the metaverse, in our mind, is primarily a communication technology. You and I are going to be engaging in these virtual worlds, but it's not just to, you know, play a game. It's actually even to create the game. Everything has to be collaborative all the way from the bottom to the top. And so being able to you know, create an object, even program that object collaboratively is an essential aspect of what a real OS would be. So the reason we designed the system the way we did, which is op the collaboration layer is at the bottom, not something you layer on on top, which really never, never works, never scales, was this idea of being able to engage to, directly to, with somebody else to solve in complex issues, to create new things together. Uh, and, and so once you understand it as a communication platform, it also informs why would you be on the browser? The browser is wonderful in a number of ways. First of all, the browser is so powerful today. We have WebGL, we have WebGPU coming. Uh, it's on every single device uh, uh, on the planet. Basically, it runs on your phone, runs on your tablet. It runs in your head mount. And so 
it was pretty clear that if you want to have a communication technology, just like you can call anyone with your phone and they immediately connect to it and start talking to you, the same thing has to happen in the metaverse, where I'm going to be wearing, say, an Apple device, you're going to be wearing a meta device. We need to be able to communicate and collaborate. How do we do that? Uh, just like every phone in the world can call any other phone, the same thing has to be true of the metaverse. I need to be able to connect with you, and we need to be able to explore and, and communicate. But as soon as you understand it as communication technology, it really informs the nature of how you create the systems. And that's why an operating system was clearly the right way to go, because you're able to easily create. I mean, it also solves a very hard problem, which is, most people don't know how to do multi-user systems. It's really, really tricky. You know, you, you have everything from race conditions or you have to do bespoke systems for each little object, which has to handle how we do it. It just doesn't scale and the performance isn't there. And yeah, you know, honestly, anybody trying to do multi-user today, most people are amateurs and shouldn't be doing that. What they should do is use a framework like this that solves all those problems and lets them focus on what does it? What is it you're trying to build? What matters to the user? What is the interaction the user is going to have? Focus on the value of the system, and if you can make sure that all that infrastructure is already there, uh, then your then your challenge is dramatically simpler, and the quality of what you create is going to be dramatically better. Right, right, and um, there's a lot of technologies that I know that have been um, added to the operating system there's quite a bit of quite a bit of interesting infrastructure that's been placed around the world mm -hmm. and um we've had the chance to actually demo that you know i think it was last week and i was quite yep, blown away by it. it was amazing the way that you know everything was able to come together across all platforms and i think that interoperability is what's sorely needed when building the metaverse um so for you, I wanted to say, um, could you ask, I mean, could you tell us a little bit about some of the technologies that you have used with Croquet OS and, you know, what are their purposes and how they'll allow different platforms to be truly interoperable? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Uh, there's a lot of things, actually, obviously. The first thing is just... Um, uh, the system's built on JavaScript, although we actually enable uh, even synchronization using WebAssembly. So, for example, our physics engine is uh, Rapier, which, by the way, is an amazingly good open source physics engine. Uh, but that's written in Rust, and so it's running in, in WebAssembly, uh, but it's running near native performance, which is pretty awesome, particularly since you're able to interact with it dynamically. So you can, like, kick a ball, for example. Everybody sees that. Or better yet, kick a thousand balls. They all work. And, and anything you do is, is perfectly shared and perfectly replicated. So that's one example. The other is, uh, obviously, we're using WebG, WebGL, but we're really using 3JS, 3JS, I, when I first saw 3JS, I, I said to myself, if I were to build a system, uh, a rendering engine, it would look like this. I mean, they did everything right. It's really clean, really beautiful. Uh, so uh, the, the 3JS infrastructure um, yeah, the, 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 is really a, a, a beautiful 
uh, beautiful platform. And what's important about it is it's not limiting. It doesn't say, hey, you're going to be building it for this. Some of these other engines are great for, hey, you're going to do a game. This is it. What we have is a general purpose system that can be used for games for sure, but also enterprise applications and other things. So that was a really key uh, decision of how we would do this. The other thing was um, one of the things that we can demonstrate and do is accessing external live data streams and and feed them into the world dynamically. So what that means is, uh, you know, you have a RESTful interface and you're actually, uh, the, the examples I showed you were live Bitcoin visualization, which is pretty easy. But the other one was uh, every single commercial flight on the planet being mapped onto the globe. You can actually watch the airplanes move around. Uh, and, and that's kind of mind blowing. It's up great updating every 15 seconds or so. But, you know, you're literally looking at the live world. And so you spin this globe and, you know, looking at Europe and, and obviously to the east of Europe and to the west of Moscow is a big open area. And of course, that's Ukraine. There's no commercial flights over that. And to see that live is so visceral. It's like, OK, the real world is being displayed to me in a way that you normally would never be able to see. And it's right there right now. What's really cool is that's an object inside the croquet system. So you'll be able to take that object and, and save it out and then or copy it. And then you can be able to paste it into another world. And now you've got that same globe running uh, with, the, with all the airplanes flying all over the place. It, it's really uh, so what you start seeing is these technologies that are we take for granted in the web are actually also the crucial parts of building the next generation of OS. We we are open. We use every open standard you can imagine in building our system. So if you're if you're already a web developer, and by the way, there's 16.5 million JavaScript developers out there, which is more than all the other languages put together. Then you already know how to do this. You already know how to build these applications. And you know we I, we focus on. We, we solved all the hard parts. Uh, there's always hard parts in programming, but we solved this selection of hard parts so that you can focus on these other things. So what makes your application, your capability special? The other thing that's really important is this is deployed as a library on our side. So when you build these apps, these worlds, really, that they are going to be your URL. It's just basically like you build a React application. Where does that go? It's going to be your website. It has to be. And it's got to be your content. You have to own it. It can't be locked up in somebody else's uh, you know, system. Uh, it literally has to be controlled by you as it should be. However, all these worlds need to be linked. So that means that I'm looking at this world, but I want to connect to yours. So one of the things... Uh, I, I, one of the things I didn't mention is I invented portals uh, like a thousand years ago, but it was so clear that we need to have portals in this next generation metaverse. And how do we do that? Uh, what we, what I came up with, what we call uh, cell-based portals. So you're looking at this world in, on your screen and your head mount, whatever. And uh, the, the way to think about it, there's a portal in, in, in there that's linked to another world that has to be secure. In other words, if I load that second world through there, I can't mix the code because there might be malware in, in one of the worlds I'm connecting to. And that will basically infect everything. So it has to be properly sandboxed. Well, how do you do that? So this world rendered uh, on front is in an iframe. And then we cut a hole because iframes can be transparent. And underneath, you put another iframe, which is the world you're connecting to. So you can see through 
one to the other. And then when you move around, we just send a message between the iframes saying, hey, this is the new transform, but you're not sending code, you're not sending anything like that. So it's a perfectly secure way of having one world linked to another. Again, that, that, that's sort of the basis of why the, the internet took off was this ability to connect one space to another, one page to another. And remember, we used to surf the internet. We're about to meta-surf the metaverse where you go from world to world to world to world, and it's going to be marvelous. Yeah, I'm excited to see what it looks like too, because um, I know that, you know, when we always spoke about the metaverse, we would think about the different types of platforms that were being invented. For example, Meta Horizon Worlds, um, you had NVIDIA's Omniverse and lots of other different ones. So, you know, you would have to go through the company, make sure that that company can supply you with the kit and the interface needed for it. And now with Croquet OS, there's no longer the need for that. I mean, they have a truly interoperable platform through the Microverse um, IDE. And so for me, I think that that is one of, the, one of the best ways for us to build that interoperability, because I know that, that a lot of people have been advocating for that. If I'm not mistaken, it was um, members of Ready Player Me were very much about the open source mm -hmm. metaverse. Right. Now, um, for you, um, I was going to ask, uh, so Croquet is allowing people to move development of the metaverse under the right framework. We're going into the op interoperability, right? Uh, what do you think that firms will need to do in order to build those global standards in the metaverse while avoiding these types of closed proprietary systems? There's a number of things that we have to work on. Uh, by the way, I might mention that uh, Tony Parisi uh, just joined us uh, as uh, on our advisory board. And the reason mm -hmm. I bring him up is he was responsible for two crucial standards in the development of the metaverse. One was VRML. And, and VRML was uh, basically a way to, uh, another web standard allowed you to share 3D worlds. In fact, my product, I, I wrote a product called Virus Walkthrough many years ago that was the very first supporter and exporter of VRML worlds. So, uh, and the other thing he did was GLTF, which is uh, obviously the, the, a standard 3D format. Uh, so one of the things he and I have been talking about is what's the next piece, which is the metadata uh, of that. So, for example, in, in, in Croquet, you have this, I talked about this globe, and when you save that out, you're actually saving that out as a JSON file that's fully editable. And then you can share that with other people, just dragging and dropping. But what we want to do is uh, formulate that as a standard, so that an, an open standard, so anybody can take that. And that means, obviously, if it's an open standard, you're going to take our version of it as a starting point. But what we want to do is make it a lot more robust, a lot more uh, extensible, by, by third parties. It, it works for us right now, but it really needs to be kind of uh, taken over by, by, uh, by the community. And that, that's, a, that's a first example. The second one is the, the portal thing I just described, the, this uh, uh, cell-based portals. That should be also available as a standard. So whether you use Croquet or not, you should still have the ability to provide portals from one world to another. Uh, so when I'm in, I'm in this you know XYZ's uh, framework, but there's a portal uh, to a croquet world. That's great, or a portal to another world. Doesn't matter. But being able to provide a standard way of of securely 
connecting worlds is essential. So we're going to be making that portal infrastructure standardized and available to anyone as well. Uh, so our, our, our business, when you come right down to it, our business is a, a, a fleet of reflectors that are worldwide. Uh, the way the system works is you interact with an uh, object in Croquet, a message gets sent to the reflector and bounced off to all the participants. Um, so, you know, that obviously we're going to keep doing that. We think that's the best way to do it, but other people have other ways to do it. But it should still interoperate with, with uh, the same portal infrastructure that that uh, we would use. And so that that's a, so there's a number of very cool and very important capabilities that I think are going to be essential for the, the, the open metaverse to evolve in the right way. Uh, and, you know, we, we've been uh, big fans of open source forever. You know, the very first version of Croquet was open source. The second version was open sourced. And, uh, you know, and in fact, all the small talk stuff that we did, the, we did, uh, you know, we worked very hard on, on, on the Squeak platform, uh, which, by the way, that work led to um, the, the Scratch uh, programming system for kids. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're very, very deeply aware of the community that we're trying to, to foster here. So our, our job is as much, you know, helping to nurture, the, nurture this community as it is to get the, the metaverse to be a, a solid platform for, for us. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had this image in my head when you were speaking about the um, different portals and stuff, you know, how cells actually, they're just billions, billions, trillions of cells within the human body uh, working together. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you know, having this kind of system of filtering in order to allow nutrients or different energies to pass through, mm -hmm. you know, in a, in a safe right. and reliable manner. So I think it almost paints a picture to me of the metaverse being an organic concept. So, I don't know, it just it, well, that, it popped well, into that, my head. Remember, that's exactly right, because it's the web. Right. It's the web. We're connecting. All these pages are all connected. This, uh, in a sense, and in a real sense, uh, a croquet metaverse, a microverse, is just another web page. It just happens to have all these other capabilities. Hmm. But the, the connection model you just described is like, well, you just described this incredible thing that we take for granted that's in our pocket everywhere we go, which is the internet. And so all that's happening here is we're putting another new front end onto the internet. So we inherit all that magic that, that's there. By the way, the largest open source project in the history of mankind was the browser, right? You can look at you could look at the sources of any page. You still can, by the way, you look up there, they, they may obfuscate it. Hmm. But but that that's the that's the magic of where we're going. That the web is uh, when you describe it, it's like yeah, that's the web, of course, and, <laughs> and that's the necessary thing. You know, that's that's the that's the right place for all this wonderful stuff to live. You can't have it in a walled garden and say this is mine and you can come in, but you can't go out. That's not going to work. That won't scale. The internet scaled the way it did because it was open, because it was that accessible, because there were no boundaries. There's no friction on the development side. There's no friction to go from one page to another. It's all about this uh, open, friction-free engagement. And that's what the metaverse, whether anybody likes it or not, that's what the metaverse is going to be. It's inevitable. 
And so the web is, to me, I said it's a communication platform, a friction-free way to, to talk. It's, the, it's what the phone is going to be. You know, when you think about the fact your phone can call any phone on the planet. You know, just dial a random number, you'll talk to somebody. And the, that's the way it has to be. Well, what, what's the plain old telephone service for the metaverse? It's the web. Every device, uh, every head mount is going to support a web browser. And so you'll be able to have this augmented conversation where I'm talking to you, you're, you're wearing a different device than I am, and it's just going to work. And it's just like when you understand it, that perspective is like, yeah, of course, that's going to happen. That's the way it has to happen. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's so much to unpack and so much to think about, you know, in the development of this. And so I wanted to ask you, did you have anything else that you wanted to add or to um, speak about, you know, regarding Croquet OS? Yeah, uh, we are just entering alpha this weekend, in fact, and... You know, one of the things we want to invite people to try this out, you know, it, it, it's available. It's, you know, it, it's just go to our webpage, sign up, and, and we'll get you signed up as a alpha developer to start playing with these ideas, connecting things and, and sharing. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're really interested in hearing people's perspectives on where the future needs to go to. I mean, this is... As I said, our, our number one job is to help foster this community. We've got a huge amount of experience building these, these worlds, but the reality of it is the definition of what the metaverse is really going to be is probably in some 12-year-old's head right now. <laughs> and that's the person, she is going to be the one that says, this is why you did all this stuff. And that's going to be the real transformation uh, all we're doing is giving her the tools she needs to be able to change the world. Absolutely. Great words. And thanks so much for sharing your insights. And, um, and so, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm piecing everything together in my head right now because there's a lot to look forward to in the future with this, you know, with this solution as well. So thanks so much for your oh, time, Dave. fun as hell. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Okay, once again, this was David A. Smith, the CTO of Croquet Corporation, and I am Damon Curitan, Senior Journalist for XR Today. If you like these conversations, please join us on social media at the XR News hashtag. You can um, join us at Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Once again, we're signing off. Thanks so much for joining us today, and have a great weekend. Mm -hmm.